0: Welcome to the DadWork Podcast. My name is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of DadWork. You may have heard of my guest today if you have listened to any podcasts related to fatherhood. His name is Larry Hagner, and he is the founder of the Dad Edge Podcast. I'm excited to talk to Larry because I have been following along with Larry's journey for years. He's one of the OGs when it comes to fatherhood podcasts and helping men become better fathers on the internet. We go deep in this episode talking about stepping intentionally into leadership. The turning point in Larry's fatherhood, journey when he knew something had to change the importance of having a learner's mindset the power of psychological safety and helping your kids develop a growth mindset how to parent your kids so they feel safe to talk to you about anything finding your core values and helping your kids find theirs how to have hard conversations with your kids practical connection practices that larry uses to build deep connections with his wife and children the importance of community and the cost of inaction Larry Hagner is the creator of the Dad Edge podcast. Featured as one of the top dad podcasts on iTunes, the show has received over 5 million downloads. Larry is the author of two best best-selling books. He has featured some of the most elite humans on the planet. He lives in St. Louis with his wife, Jessica, and their four boys. You can find Larry and all things the Dad Edge at thedadedge.com or the Dad Edge on pretty well every social platform, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of them. I'm excited to be able to talk to Larry today. This is truly an honor, and I appreciate all of the wisdom and advice he gave. This is super actionable stuff, guys. Let's get into it. Just one more thing before we get started with this podcast with Larry Hagner. I want to invite you to a workshop we're doing tonight. If you are listening to this, on drop day which is wednesday december 8th 2021 we are hosting the new year new dad workshop which is going to be a goal setting and goal achieving workshop for busy dads i'm going to outline all of the ways that i approach goal setting from values to habits to accountabilities to make sure that i crush my goals each and every year this has been one of the things that is my biggest superpower i have built multiple businesses i have built businesses that have given me the freedom to work whenever I want, as much as I want to travel the world for two years with my family, to do deep healing work in a way that is actually structured and gets me somewhere instead of going around in circles over and over again. In terms of building relationships, I have made conscious efforts to set goals around that and it has delivered. So I want to share all of this with you. If you do not set goals. If you set goals but never seem to achieve them, or if you just want an excuse to sit with us for a couple of hours on a Wednesday night and write your own goals down, join us. You can get a ticket at dad.work/workshop. Type that into your browser: dad.work/workshop. That's going to take you to an Eventbrite page. Tickets are ten dollars, and there's a reason that I'm doing this for ten dollars. Because when you put your money where your mouth is, you tend to actually take action so this is my challenge for you if you want to start out 2022 on the right foot having done the planning work so all you need to do is execute join us tonight Wednesday December 8th at 6 p.m pacific and if you can't make it live don't worry still get a ticket still sign up because I will send you the recording and the worksheets to go along with it so that is it let's get into this conversation with Larry Hagner I am here with Larry Hagner, who I am extremely excited to have on, because I have been a Larry Hagner fan for years. I have followed the dad edge. I've seen what Larry's doing. And you've probably got like the biggest, most impactful community of fathers in the world right now. So man, I am so grateful to have you on. Thank you for being here.
1: Man, it's, it's an honor. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really, really appreciate it, man. Yeah.
0: And the first thing I want to talk about was in relation to your your community, the Dad Edge and the Dad Edge Alliance, is I've seen you sort of take this active role – in leadership and having to step into that leadership when you didn't have to do that. And I think it's a very interesting sort of question for dads to think about in in their own lives is where can they step into leadership roles? So my question about that was, why did you do this in the first place? Because leadership of a community of men especially is like a lot of work. So what motivated you to do that? And like, how have you stepped into that intentionally?
1: Well, so it's not for the faint of heart, right? (laughs) <laughs> right. A lot of people, I think it was like, Oh, I'll just, I'll start my podcast. I'll get a microphone. I get my, I'll get my, 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 beats, you know, my headphones and, and, you know, just podcast away. Uh, this, this is not for the faint of heart. I wish I could tell you that, you know, things happened like as far as me being a father, like maybe I just woke up and had an epiphany and had all the answers for being a husband and father. And if I told you that obviously, you know, I was lying. I'm still learning. Still don't have this all figured out. Four boys, 15, 13, 8, and 5. And, you know, this is a learning journey, right? Leaders are learners, though. That's one thing I, I did learn a long time ago is that a a leader learns. And, you know, I, I had a really, really dark start to me being a dad and me being a husband. And I wouldn't say anything was totally crumbling or nothing was like, the you know, divorce papers weren't on the desk of the lawyer I wasn't throwing beer bottles at my kids or anything like that, but things were not good. And I had a deep, deep desire to be a really good father. And it's because I, I'm happy to go into my childhood. If you want, it's, it was, it was crazy. It was chaotic. I didn't even really meet my biological father, have a relationship with him until I was 30. And that was by mistake. That wasn't even on purpose, but I was raised in an environment where my mom was married three times, but she dated several men in between each marriage. So I had like, these father figures that were around, you know, but all of them were the same guy, different face, different face, different name. All of them were partiers. All of them were toxic, alcoholics, abusers, that kind of thing. So half my childhood was spent without a father because it was like, there were times where there's nobody around. And then the other half was spent with usually a father figure that was abusive and toxic. So when I became a father, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it really, really well. And what I can tell you is when we have best of intentions, intentions are not enough. It's like, just because we want to do something, that doesn't mean we have the skills to go do it. But if we're eager to learn, which I wasn't when I first started, cause I'm like, no, no I, I shouldn't learn because I should know how to do it. I, I, it's in my DNA to be a father. Like I should know how to do this without any training. Right. And that's like one of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves. So, you know, fat, if rewind back to 2011, I had a really dark moment with, with my son who was four at the time. He's 13 now and I spanked him. He hit the ground and that was a very dark moment for me because what happened was he was being a typical four-year-old stepped out of line. I spanked him. I had never spanked him up until then. I haven't spanked him since he hit the ground and I was like, Oh my God, I went to go pick him up. Here's here's the, this is what really hit me in the heart. I went to go help him up after I was like, Oh crap, I can't believe I just did that. Went to go help him up and he looked at me like, you're a monster. Like he looked at me like he was terrified of me. Okay. And in that moment, I didn't see my son. I saw me because that, I, was, I was raised with a heavy hand, you know, pushed, beat, punched, thrown, all those things. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? So you asked about leadership. And I think if you're going to be a leader, then you need to surrender to learn new skills. And it was, in, it was that evening. I'll never forget it. I was in my office. And I was emotional and I was like, man, I can't believe I just did that. I swore to myself I would never be like this. And I started a page on Facebook. I just went on Facebook that night just because I just didn't want to think about the dark moment that I had. I just like, well, I was pop up on Facebook, look at everybody else's life. So I don't have to think about mine. And I saw this button in the left hand corner say, create a page and I don't know what it was in me. I just, I was like, I'm going to hit that button. And then the words, the good dad project just rolled off my heart onto that keyboard. And I never did it for a following ever, but that was a surrender moment for me to be like, I don't have this all figured out. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea how to be more patient with my kids. I have no idea how to connect with my kids. I know what not to do. Right. I know that much, but it's almost like, Hey, If you want to go build a house and you're a carpenter, or let's just say you're not a carpenter, but you want to be a carpenter and you go work for a company that does carpentry and your foreman comes up to you and is like, all right, Kurt, go build that wall and here's 20 ways not to do it. Go figure out the rest. Like knowing what not to do is not enough ever. But going back to being a learning leader, you know. I looked at two different areas in my life that I was that I had good abilities and good skills. One was martial arts. I had done it for years and the other one was my my career and I was in sales. I was always top sales. I was always top even when I was a manager. I was always one of the top leaders and one of the things that that happened was um, I really looked at those two areas and I realized wow. the reason I'm so good at these is because there's constant learning. You know, there's constant skills that I'm learning. I'm learning like if I'm in sales, I'm learning what that's all about and what I'm learning how to, how to sell to people, right? I'm lear- not knowing necessarily how to sell to people. I'm learning how to solve their problems and how to communicate with them. Uh, martial arts, you know, a, there's a whole system, a whole belt system, certain skills that you learn at each level. And you have to be very proficient in those skills, in order to to be able to do that art, and I looked at those two things. I'm like, huh, what's what's the common denominator here? The common denominator is learning skills and trusting the process that you're going to learn skills and that you are going to advance when you're honing that skill. And I had spent no time learning about marriage, learning about fatherhood. I was winging it, just like everybody else. I was like, oh, I was, you know, I should be able to figure this out. And it was disastrous, unfortunately.
0: Mm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's I relate so hard to that, having those very specific instances of having my son look at me in the way that I just went like, wow, who am I being? Because like you said, you go into it going like, I'm not going to be like my dad. and And maybe you're not. And it sometimes is worse. And that's very hard for for me and a lot of guys I talk to to actually get their head around is like, I swore I wasn't gonna do this and it takes intentional action to step into that role. And so when you decided to create this page, where did you go to learn? Like what was the sort of first steps along your journey? Because it seems now that you've got such a wide breadth of knowledge and a network, which I wanna get into a little bit later, but where did you first start?
1: I didn't know where to start be honest, because I started Googling, like literally the first thing I put in Google was how to be a better dad. And, you know, some resources popped up, but a lot, some of them were blogs. Uh, you know, I found a few books, but there was really not much out there to be honest. There wasn't, in fact, if you really look over the past 10 years, you know, there has been a lot of amazing resources that have come to fruition, you know, like a lot of amazing dad groups out there. And there's a lot of tools out there and resources. And 10 years ago, there really wasn't. So I really started diving into podcasts. You know, I found a few podcasts from men that really resonated with me. Uh, most importantly, like how, communication, how to talk to my wife. That really resonated with me too. I started reading books like uh, The Five Love Languages. I started reading books like um, uh, My Father, the Hero. I started reading books like Unbeatable Mind by Mark Devine. You know, just to get my mind right around this. And what I realized is the more that I learned and the more that I implemented, the more things in my life got better. And so in the beginning, there wasn't a lot, which is why in 2015. So in 2013, I started a blog. I started the gooddadproject.com, which is no longer in existence. Uh, but I started blogging. I was, and it was just very imperfect. Like, hey, this is what I'm learning. These are the mistakes I'm making. You know, I didn't even really care if anybody read it. And wow. then in 2015, I was like, man, there's got to be more. And that's when podcasting was really kind of taken off. And I was like, what if I started? Po- I really, I really don't dig writing too much. But what if I started a podcast that way? Like, I could just learn from the people I'm talking to because a lot of these people in different disciplines, whether they're a Navy SEAL or a celebrity or a new york times bestselling author every single one of these guys or or, or gals have a message around how they operate and the, the cool thing was too is like i'll never forget the first navy seal i had on the podcast which was mark divine and if you take his content you know unbeatable mind i always would ask my guests questions like okay how do you take your craft your skill and then operate as a father through that skill fascinating answers would come back. You know, it's like, man, if you want to operate as a Navy SEAL, like a father, like, listen to Mark Divine. you know, um, so things like that to where like, you would just take like these nuggets from these experts and just start to implement different things, different tactics, different, and even just the way even you perceive, how do I operate in this family? How do I operate my life? You know, that's, that's what, that's where the rubber really meets the road.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Was the transition smooth? You make this mistake, um, you know, you spank your son and you have this sort of dark night of the soul. Was the transition like smooth after that, where you're like, oh man, I'm never going to do it. And so you sort of never screwed up again because it hurts so bad. Or was it this iterative process of like, you're going to keep making mistakes and you just have to like build that resiliency, I guess might be the right word to live up to your new standards. What did it look like when you sort of made that decision?
1: B. (laughs) the second one without a doubt. I mean, and it's still that way. If I could give you any perspective, nobody has fatherhood all figured out. Nobody has marriage all figured out. It's a, it's a learning process. As soon as, as soon as you realize that these things are skills and they are a practice and they're not perfection, but you can actually implement a process just like you do anything else. Like, listen, if we want to get more fit, Then you need to go to the gym. You need to put in the reps. You need to eat high octane, nutritious foods, right? Whole foods. You need to stay away from things like candy and alcohol and soda and all that. We all, we know those things. Those are the tactics. That's the process. And the results will come because you have stuck to the process and the tactics. And to be honest, parenting and being a, basically being a man and also being a husband, those things actually aren't that different. What most people do is we confuse them with, oh, well, it's a feeling. So patience is a perfect example. Well, I feel like I don't have a lot of patience. No, you don't feel like it. You actually don't have a lot of emotional resiliency, and that's okay because human beings are not built to be resilient. However, you can learn to be resilient. You can learn the skills of emotional resiliency so you can, be, you can respond with more calm instead of have a knee-jerk reaction like most human beings do. Also, human beings, are not we are not genetically wired to be patient species or creatures. We are impatient. We want things now. We want immediate gratification. We don't wait. Patience is no different. But if you can learn the skill of patience and hone it, it becomes a practice. And it's never going to be perfect, right? You're always going to make mistakes. And if I could just compare this to a real-world conversation I have with my 15-year-old. My 15-year-old asked me a couple months ago. He's like, what's it like being a dad? And I'm like, you want to know? He's like, yeah, I want to know. I was like, you really want to know? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, well. You know, what, you know what it feels like your first day of school? And he's like, yeah. I was like, what does it feel like? He's like, oh, I'm just nervous. I don't really know what to expect. I don't really know what the day is going to bring. I don't know who I'm going to meet. I just don't know what, what. The, it's very uncertain. It's like, well, that's, that's what it's like being a father. I was like, let, "You know, let me break this down. Today, you're 15 years old and three months. Today is my first day raising a 15-year-old and three months. And tomorrow will be my first day raising a 15-year-old in 91 days. So, Every day is a learning process and every day there are mistakes. I think what the big difference maker is, is this, is that if we can be okay, if we can learn new things, new skills as parents, as fathers, as husbands, learn these skills, implement these skills, that doesn't mean that paves the way of perfection. But what it does mean is it's going to make you more aware when problems arise, you're going to be able to pivot faster. You're going to be able to get out of your own way faster faster. When mistakes are made, you're going to be able to apologize and regroup faster and get back on track. The worst thing that we could possibly do is keep driving blind and thinking like, this must come natural. I don't need to learn anything new. It should just be this way. I should be this natural. It doesn't happen that way. It just doesn't. Yeah.
0: And I think, man, that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this is because, again, I just had this assumption that some families worked and some families didn't. And I wondered why mine didn't. And I just thought like well i guess that's that's how it is and it took this deliberate attention to the skills required to become a better man partner and father before things started to change for me and so i love that message of just like guys if you're out there and you're struggling start doing the work figure out how to build that patience figure out how to stay calm when you're feeling temporizing. and all these things that it takes to be a good man partner and father they take practice they take skills they take you know being there in the actual moment of them when they feel uncomfortable. And like you said, building that resiliency. Now, as a father, you have teenagers and you've got your kids. Yeah. <laughs> all of these stages of childhood bring a new stage of fatherhood. Like you said, you've never done this before. And I love that. I say that to myself all the time as well. I've never had an eight and a six and a one year old exactly like this. And each stage requires new skills, presumably. And so there must be this baseline of values underneath the new skills you have to learn as your children progress. How do you actually go about building your skills when they require new things? So you've never had a teenager, they're now getting into school, the hormones are changing, all this kind of stuff. And without having dealt with that before, where and how do you go to find out like what to do?
1: I go to the experts. I go to the, the people who are smarter than me. Uh, the the easiest and the best way to learn is to talk to the people that are ahead of you. So right now, yeah, I'm in a season where now I'm raising teenagers and I got to be honest, a lot of, you know, up until I had teenagers, a lot of people are like, Oh, just wait till the teenage stage. It's awful. It's actually my favorite stage. If I'm just being really honest and it's because they're like, they're like adults, they're like young men, right? I have like regular conversations with them that I would probably have like with most adults. Uh, here's, here's some things though, just if we were to just put it like a, if we were to look at this, like in a fishbowl, right. Of like ages, like two to 18, right. If you're going to do anything with your kids, first of all, know this statistics, it's really important. 80% of your one-on-one time with your kids is gone by the time they're 12. So think about that for a minute. Like if you have a 10 year old, you have two more years until, 80% of that time is gone. Like, and I can tell you, like, my teenager just walked in the, walked in my office, uh, handed me his phone. So right now he had to sacrifice his phone for 24 hours because he did something wrong. But, you know, I don't see him that much. He's off with his friends a lot, hanging out. And literally, it was right when he hit 13. And he's got, you know, a the, the girl that he's kind of talking to, you know, she's coming over to hang out with him. Uh, he's with friends, like... Last night, I didn't see him until he came home for dinner about 7.30. And then he went downstairs and like FaceTimed the girl he's talking to. And I didn't see him until I went down and talked and and said goodnight to him. And I was like, wow, like I didn't see him today. This is really hard. That's sort of an anomaly. I usually see him more. But yesterday, it really did kind of hit me. I'm like, wow, like these statistics are true. But if you're going to do anything, it's this create an environment of psychological safety and what does that mean create an environment of psychological safety means create an environment where your kids view you as the guy the guy to come talk to the guy to come talk to about anything whether it's i did something wrong whether it's uh i saw porn for the first time whether it's like hey dad Um, I'm going to take this girl out. I have no idea what to do. What if she wants to do stuff? I'm not sure what I'm doing here. Like, what does this mean? What does that mean? What does this, you know, term mean? All these different things to where you're the guy, like you are the guy. And the way we do that is to create psychological safety in every conversation that we possibly can. And if you want to know how to do that, I can give you like the super most simple, basic way to do that to where you can start doing this stuff at like five. And suddenly when they're teenagers, they're like, Oh yeah, like I talk to my dad about everything. And they do it, like I can attest, my 13-year-old, and my 13 year old is more of a vault. Like I ha- I, he'll, he'll talk to me. He used to have to, I have to ask, I have to be very creative with my questions, but he will talk to me. My 15-year-old will give me so much detail and tell me everything that I sit there and I'm like, I can't believe this kid tells me all this stuff, which I love. But the way to do that is you have to instill a growth mindset with psychological safety. And you can do that with three questions every day. First question is this. What was the best part of your day? Tell me why it was so meaningful to you. So what you do psychologically in that question, you don't ask, how was your day? It's a crappy answer. It's going to get you a crappy question. It's going to get you a crappy answer. Good, fine, busy, crazy, boring, whatever. But if you say, tell me about the best part of your day. What was so meaningful about it? Right. And, And you do it in that voice tone, which that voice tone is curiosity, right? I'm very curious. I'm not going through the motions. I really want to know. What happens is, is that kid might have might be coming home like, you know, like here's my energy level. Well, what's the best part of your day? Well, now their energy level goes up because they get in a state of gratitude. They have to tell you about a high point day that was so exciting for them. And then what you do in that moment is you reflect. You don't just go to the next question. You're like, man, that sounds amazing. That had to have been incredibly meaningful to you. Whatever that thing is, it doesn't really matter what it is. Um, so that's question number one. That creates rapport that creates trust, that creates higher energy. This is the one that creates psychological safety. And that is, what was your most challenging part of your day? Or what did you fail at today and what did you learn? Right, so one of the things that kids seek more than anything from their parents is validation and approval. If dad gives me like validation, thumbs up and approval, man, life feels really good to me, right? It's when my dad, like I come home and I'm dreading the the conversation that I got a D on the science test because my dad's going to look at me and talk to me like I'm a failure, right? So this is how conversations roll in my house. And I want to be really clear with this because um, creating an environment of psychological safety is not the absence of consequences, It's not the absence of, like, airy-fairy sunshine rainbows and, like, oh, you got a D on the science test. Um, That's great. Wonderful. That's so cool. Good for you. No, that doesn't happen. But here's how that conversation rolls out. Here's how the conversation rolls out if you're not skilled at it. And here's how it will roll out if you are skilled. So let me take the first one first. If my son comes home and he's like, if I say, hey, what was the most challenging part of your day today? And he'll be like, yeah, Dad, I... I got an F on that science test. Now, most of the time, and I would have made the same mistake way back when, what do you mean you got an F on the science test? Why did you get an F on the science test? Didn't I tell you to study for that? Come on, man. You were on your phone all night. Why did you get an F? You know in this house that there is no less than a C. We don't stand for Fs, okay? Now, what you just did, right, wrong, or indifferent, right? Some guys will react like that, but if you want your kid I like, to, I like to create psychological safety for the long game. And when you come down on your kid like that and, you, and that's, you, you react like that, basically what you're teaching them is don't tell me anything that's hard for you to tell me. Okay? And don't tell me anything that you failed at because I'm going to jump down your throat. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for that. I had an experience with one of my kids who shoplifted and I got in his face. Like, I think I scared the shit. He'll he'll be sixty years old and remember the time that he shoplifted because I got nose to nose with him. Now that was different. Now if my son's like, yeah, I got an F on the science test, I'd be like, hmm. Tell me more, right? And I didn't do it in a smart aleck tone. I'm like, tell me more. Yeah, I just you know the, the test like had questions on it that I wasn't expecting, and I don't know. Like it just it just doesn't seem fair, Dad. Like I just there were questions on there I wasn't prepared for. Okay, well. What do you think would have gotten you more prepared, well, yeah, I probably could have studied more, yeah, man hey, great, great idea, great idea, right um well, listen, a d or an f is not the end of the it's not the end of the world. Uh, let me ask you this, if you were to continue to get d's and f's, what would happen to your grade? Well, I'd get an F, okay, what would happen if you got an F for the quarter or for the semester or for the year? Well, I'd be in summer school, yeah. Yeah, you would be in summer school. How do you feel about that? All your friends are out playing around and hanging out and you're stuck in summer school. That would be awful. Yeah, it would. It would be awful. Is that what you want? No, that's not what I want. Okay. Well, based on the information you told me, when's your next test? Well, my next test is next Friday. Okay, awesome. So based on what you've told me, what would you do different? Knowing the information that you know. Well, I probably study a lot more and I probably, okay, great. Well, when do you want to study? I want to study Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week. Okay, great. Do you want me to check in on you? Or how can I best support you? Be like, "Yeah, you know, like actually, can you can you help me? Maybe just quiz me like I'll study, just maybe quiz me a little bit." Yeah, man, I'm here for you. I got you. I see you. I got you. Cool. Sounds like we got a plan, right? You don't have to usually instill usually natural consequences are strong enough if you're if you know how to point them out. If you know how to ask the right questions to get them to reflect upon what are the, what are are what's at stake here. Because as soon as I start yelling, screaming, and telling him what's at stake, all they want to do is either defend or they just tune you out. Like, oh my God, my dad's just coming at me with so much stuff. I don't even hear what he's saying. It's just a lot, it's a lot of intensity. And basically also what you're doing there too is like, I should never tell my dad anything, especially nothing bad. Because God only knows he'll freak out. That's not what we want. And then, so that's creating psychological safety is how, how we respond, right. And getting and asking deeper questions, get them to reflect on what could, what could be. And then the final question is, what are you most excited about tomorrow? What's on tap for tomorrow? What are you most excited? What are you most looking forward to tomorrow? Now, what you do there in that question is you end that conversation with another growth mindset question that that puts them into gratitude that gets them looking forward to something because they just told you something tough. Not only that, but you have like the Netflix binge watching to be continued conversation right there. So like if you like love the show you and Yellowstone and all those things, right? Netflix is genius because what they do is like, do you want to watch the next episode? It starts in seven seconds and then it just automatically goes and you're like, oh, i just watched the first five minutes. I have to know where this thing ended up. And then you started watching it and then you watch the whole thing. But that's like the Netflix to be continued because what do you think happens when that kid comes home the next day? Like, hey, man. I know yesterday you told me you got that presentation that you were gonna to do today, you were really looking forward to it. How did that go? Right? And immediately they're like, dude, like dad knows my life. He's not asking me how my day was, and I just give him some mundane answer. He has no idea what's going on in my life. He knows in detail what's going on in my life, and he's interested. So that's how you create psychological safety for the long haul. And what I always what I always coach guys to do is start those those three questions at like five. And don't stop them, right? Become become like to the point where my kids do now. They use that on me. They're like, "Hey, Dad, what's best part of your day?" And I'm like, "You little Jedi," you know what I mean? And then they'll be like, "What's the most challenging part of your day?" I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you guys are crazy," but it does create really great conversation.
0: Yeah, and I, man, if I could just like frame everything you just said there and send it to every father in the world, man, like. Pause. Take some notes because that was a masterclass in respectful communication and connection and safety. And it's like all of these things that help us create secure attachment with our kids. Um, Those are just like, man, start doing that today. That's my challenge to everyone is just start doing that today. We do something similar at at the table when we sit down to eat, we go through and give gratitude. What are you grateful for? And just like you said, it's never like, how was your day? It's like, what was the funnest part of your day? What was the silliest part of your day? You know, what was, like you said, what was most challenging? So getting interested in your kids and seeing them as full human beings, which I I think I heard you say, you can talk to your teenagers like they're full adults, basically. And developing that with kids is such a game changer. And you start seeing them more as capable. You start understanding they can handle more than you maybe give them credit for. And so, yeah, man, thank you for going there. And the, the thing that comes up from that is that sounds to me like a guiding principle creating psychological safety. Is there any other guide, guiding principle that you bring into your life as a man, as a father, and as a partner in your marriage? Where How do you sort of operate? Do you have like one, two, three, like guiding principles that you're just like, I'm going to hit these all the time as a dad?
1: Yeah. So um, one of the things that we have guys do in Edge Alliance, which is our community, is we have them do what's called the the core values exercise. Core values exercise. So there's 150 human core values that people operate within. Excuse me. And we there's 150 available, but we operate within five to seven of them. And here's the funny thing is these these core values, they're very, um, they're uh, uh, intuitional. And I'll explain how that shows up. So like, for instance, let's just say that you're working for a company and you love it, right? You just love this company. It's like, oh my God, like this company is amazing. Like, I just feel so good here. I feel like I'm part of the team. It's amazing. The culture, the everything, right? Chances are it feels so good. And when, when you're asked, you're like, well, what is it about it? I don't know, man. It just feels right. And then you're like, well, how, how is that possible? If no one can put their finger on it, then what is it? And then people are like, oh, it's just my gut. It's my intuition. It just feels good. It's actually your core values. We all operate within five to seven core values. So chances are, if you feel really good for the company you work for, then those core values are probably in alignment with yours. The same thing with a company that you don't like working for. Like, man, I don't know what it is about this company, but oh my God, like this is not good. Same thing for the women you date. Same thing for people you surround yourself with, the friends. You probably meet people and you're like, I don't know what it is about that guy, but I, it doesn't really feel right to me. Like, I don't know, something's just not right. I don't know what it is. So um, here's, here's, here's how this can show up. So I'll give you a real-life example. I was in medical device sales before I was doing this full-time, and I made great money doing that, right? Not only was I in, in medical device, but I was also in management, so I was in leadership. So I was traveling, you know, had an expense account, had a car paid for, you know, like great base salary, great commission, you know, it was like the job, right? And there were parts of the job that I liked and it was when I interacted and led my team or it was when I interacted and helped one of my surgeons in one of his procedures, right? The customer journey, those people interaction. I loved that. The thing that I hated and I I couldn't understand why, I was like, oh my God, if I get on another plane, I am literally going to poke myself in the eyeballs with forks. Like I despised it. It gave me so much anxiety, like packing up before I would leave for three days to to go somewhere across the country. I'm like, I don't want to do this job. I hate this. I should love it. Like it's a great income. It's a great job. Lots, lots of security. My wife can stay home. I have all these perks. I like should love it. Why don't I love it? I don't understand this. And then I get on the plane. I get in the airport. And I'd feel like the loneliest, most horrible father on top of it. I'm like, oh, holy crap, I'm missing another game. Oh, but it's all for the thing. It's all for providing, right? And then I'd get home, and then it's like these conference calls and these corporate things and all this stuff, that all the inside political BS that I couldn't stand. And I'm like, God bless. Like, Why don't I like this? Well, then I did my core values, right? The leading principles, as you would say, right? So environment is one, humor, adventure, vitality, deep human connection, family, and uh, what was the other one? Experience, experiences. Once I understood that those were my seven core values, so like environment, family, deep human connection, like no wonder I hate getting on planes. Now, adventure is one but not adventure for work. Adventure with my family all day long. So that's a that's a long way to say is when you go through an exercise, and they usually don't take long, of really understanding like, hey, what what is it that I value? Suddenly you're looking at like, holy crap, no wonder that relationship didn't work out for me. No wonder that job didn't work out for me. No wonder I didn't stay friends with this person over here. The values weren't aligned. And the cool thing about that is, is that like I'll, I'll explain like the experiences portion, right? My wife and I for the life of us couldn't figure out why are we so stressed out and overwhelmed for Christmas. And it's because we both hate stuff, but we love experiences. So like all the money we'd shell out for Christmases and then toys that would last like two days. And then we're like, why are we miserable? This sucks. Well, then we realized, well, wait a second. We actually value adventure and experiences, not stuff. In fact, we hate stuff. So instead we now have a budget. It's a hundred bucks per kid for Christmas for stuff. And then the rest is like, Hey guys, what do we want to go? What do we want to go do this year? Let's choose it as a family and let's go have an adventure. Right. And that when you operate within your principles or like I say, the core values, when you filter decisions through the core values, it's amazing. One more quick story. I think this one will really hit home. I just had a back patio put in like it's pretty elaborate like it's a fire pit we basically built this thing so the kids would have all of their friends here so like we would be like the house you know that all the kids would come to and I don't drive a nice car I drive a 2016 piece of crap Altima right and my wife drives a 2018 minivan um, I have an, one neighbor that bought a, a brand new Corvette another one that brought a, bought a brand new Corvette and then another one that bought an Audi RS something or another right so I'm sitting in this brand new patio that we just had done in july my 15 year old is sitting there with me all of his friends are there we're playing music all my 13 year olds friends are there we have like 17 kids at our house playing music having a fire s'mores pizza and my son looks at me he's like hey dad when are you gonna buy a nice car man and i'm like why do you ask and he goes well you know so-and-so has a corvette so-and-so has a Corvette. and so-and-so's dad has an audi you could, we have the money like when are you gonna buy a nice car i was like mm-hmm, never I was like, not only that, but you're actually sitting in my Corvette right now. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you're sitting in my Corvette. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, this patio, this is my Corvette. Actually, it's less than a Corvette. It's not expensive as so-and-so's Corvette. I was like, but this is my Corvette. He's like, I don't understand. I was like, I was like, Ethan, I don't spend money on stuff. I spend money on where we gather to make memories, my environment, deep, deep human connection and experiences. That's where I spend money. I was like, so let me ask you, we could either buy a Corvette and it'd be just me and you in the Corvette and that'd be cool. Or you can have this. You have all of your friends here, your music playing. We were playing bags you know, we got fire going. Which one, which one did what? Did I do right? Or did I do wrong? What do you think? He's like, good choice. So when you're making decisions through those leading principles and those core values, man, life feels really damn good.
0: Yeah, that's a perfect way to, to just lay that out. Thank you. And what about teaching your kids these or maybe not teaching them, but helping them to find what theirs are. And the question that I was going to ask had to do with like teaching lessons. And as a dad, like I want my kids to do certain things, just because I think it'll be good for them um, to be resilient, to learn how to love to like be a hard worker. But maybe the more important question is like, how do you help your kids go through this exercise? And maybe it's what you said. Maybe it's like, you know, you've got your 150 things and you're in the data edge alliance, but how do you like start to get them on this so that they find it themselves? Have you done that kind of work with them?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I have. So I've taken both my older boys on a rite of passage. I take them through several different things that really help them get to meet themselves. Right. But I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, quality of our lives and relationships depends on the quality of our questions. Right. So like for instance um I had a my oldest son had a really hard time figuring out what he liked to do outside of school and he doesn't like school. But we had him in every sport, wrestling, soccer, baseball, karate, everything. Couldn't find anything. And then finally like I took him to a concert one time and he came to life. And so and, and not that we recognized it then, but it's always asking questions like hey man like What is something that just sparks your curiosity, something that you find or you think you would find so much joy in, something that would fascinate you, something you would be fascinated to learn, you know? Now, there's all these things that I think he should learn, right? So, like, I love martial arts. I find huge benefits in knowing martial arts, you know? I can protect and I, I feel confident. I know how to defend myself. I think that's important. Does he think that's important? Not really. I mean, he does to some degree the bare bones basics, but not to my level. And I think like, well, I'm his dad. He should do that too. But my son's like, dad, I really want to learn music. And I'm like, oh, okay. I know nothing about that. It's like, well, what is it about music? He's like, I don't know. It's just like the creativity and all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, well, do you want to give that a try? So first thing he picked up was a trombone. Then it was a saxophone. He knows now how to play trombone, saxophone, guitar, bass guitar, regular guitar, drums, and piano. Now, I don't have a musical bone in my body, right, at all. Like, I've tried to play guitar. It's it's ridiculous. And he loves it. So that's a long way to say that if you really want to know what it is that brings your kids to life, ask them what they're most curious about. Like, if you could do anything or learn anything that would bring you the most amount of joy or creativity or whatever that is, what would you do? And see what they say. And a lot of times, what the, what I think you'll realize, and for my thirteen year old, is football. The cool thing about whatever it is that they pick, you can always intertwine these amazing life lessons through it. So, like for my thirteen year old, is football. You know, he's been playing it for five years since he was eight. First year he did it, he wanted to give up. He learned a lot about emotional resilience because he didn't give up. He actually wrote a children's book about it: "Never Give Up, No Matter What," on not giving up on football and staying the course and trusting the process and finishing the season. And now he's one of the best players on his team, and he's been for years. So there's life lessons that they learn. They learn about work, work ethic, resiliency, um, trusting the process, putting in the reps, You know, actually doing the work and the practices and all those things that are so important. Um, those things, you can always intertwine the things that bring them to life through the things that they love doing.
0: And I have the sense that it's much easier for them to actually learn these lessons when they feel that psychological safety Is that sort of like the baseline to all of this because if you like get your kid in there and he wants to quit And you're harping on him like there's no doubt He's probably actually gonna quit So was there anything else you did to show up and just be like, hey, man, i'm here for you How do you feel about this? Why do you feel like that? Because you've asked a lot of good questions in this conversation so far. Is that sort of the prerequisite to all of this?
1: The questions you mean?
0: Yeah, like giving them that safety so that when they feel like they want to quit, it's not like motivating them, but like having you in their corner almost does motivate them just intrinsically.
1: Yeah, so I think the psychological, so your kids have three needs. To feel seen, heard, and safe. Seen, heard, and safe. The cool thing about that is it's easier for your guys to remember because that's the same three needs your wife has, to feel seen, heard, and safe. Same ones. So if you are, you know, if you're hitting... This, if you are, the way you talk, so like, for instance, that second question that I said what was the most challenging part of your day, what'd you learn? And then their response, when you're reflecting back to them, of like the things that they're saying, right? Asking them deeper questions with genuine curiosity, they feel seen. They definitely feel heard. And because you're responding in a calm way, they feel safe now because they feel that way. And that's the environment that you created. They do feel like that you're in their corner. They don't feel shamed, guilted, or judged, right? They feel like, hey, when shit hits the fan, I can come and talk to my dad. Or if I need to have a tough conversation around like things that I'm going through, I can come and talk to my dad. My 8-year-old, he's 13 now, he's my football player. When he was 8, I literally put my foot in my mouth because in our, in our house, whatever you finish, whatever you start, you finish, even if it's like the season. My 8-year-old was working his tail off. That first year, like literally blood, sweat and tears of practice wasn't being played. And it was killing him. Like it was killing him. And it got up to the point where I've never been like this. And I think it was like the last two or three weeks of the season. And I said that he was in tears and you hate to see your kid in so much pain. And I was like, man, this kid is freaking putting in the reps and he's not being played. Maybe it's political. Maybe it's not. I'm not that parent. I'm always like, hey, this is the coach's job. If you're not being played, work harder. Or go ask him what's going on and how you can be better. But I saw him working so hard and it killed me to see him in so much pain. And I put my foot in my mouth and I, one night, and that's how the book was actually birthed. At one night I was like, hey man, like look, you got three weeks left. You can quit if you want. Or you can finish what you started. And as soon as I said that, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I gave this kid the app. I can't even believe I did that. I didn't even mean to say it, it just came out. And I was like, what What have I just done? I've just gone back on everything I've ever told this kid. Luckily, he made the good choice. He's like, I'm going to finish what I started. I'm like, hell yeah, awesome. But, you know, I, I, that's a long way to say that. Um, I, don't, I actually don't remember the question at this point. But that's a long way to say, like, hey, I'm here. I'm here for you. I know, I know your question was around psychological safety. I'm here for you. And if you want to have the tough conversations, because a lot of kids think about it, no matter what age they are, what sport they're playing or whatever they're doing, they don't want to go to their dad and have that tough conversation of like, dude, this is really heavy on me right now. Like I'm having a hard time with this. Like, I don't even know if I can finish this, whatever the thing is. Right. So creating that space for them is super important.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And just sparked a thought in my mind, as you said, hard conversations. What does it look like in your household to have conversations about drugs and sex and things like that that most of us at least me uh got once as like a 10 year old and never talked about it again yeah i personally don't want my kids to learn about all this stuff on tiktok so i'm curious like what's your take on that
1: so i had a podcast guest on and and it's it's this um they need to learn it from us not tiktok they need to learn it from us not youtube um i've had the, the the drugs the alcohol porn sex that's an ongoing conversation. And when you've built a a relationship that's based around psychological safety, you can have those tougher conversations easier. I always like to level up the psychological safety when I'm having tougher conversations with like that. I'm not going to bring my kid to Starbucks and talk to him face to face about like, tell me about the drugs that are in your life right now. Tell me about, or, you know, tell me about the drugs that are, you know, people are pushing on you right now or want you to try or whatever, what I am going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to get in the car be like, Hey man, you want to go for like, so I did this, I had a conversation around porn. I'm not going to, I'm going to leave my kids' names and ages out of it. But I, I had a conversation, I have several conversations around porn. My kids love Sonic soda. So I'd be like, Hey man, you want to go grab a soda? So when you get in the car and you're side by side, psychological safety elevates for several reasons. But two most, the two reasons I are, are because number one, I'm not facing you. Number two, we're headed in the same direction and we're side by side, so automatically, subconsciously, I feel like we're a team. Like you're my confidant here. You're not my you're not my authority, right? Even though we are. Uh, so I'll have conversations on the way to Sonic about whatever topic I want to talk about. So, like for instance, uh, my son that I'm talking about is like we pull out of the driveway. I'm like, so find anything good on the internet lately? so I have this app on their phone called Bark which alerts me to anything that drugs, alcohol, adult content anything, text messages uh, internet searches emails, all of it, it tracks everything I'd be like, so man found anything good on the internet lately and I smile about it, right, even though I'm like I'm a little disappointed, but he's also normal and he just like looks at me, he's like uh yeah and I'm like, don't worry man I was like, you're in good company. You ain't doing anything different than I wasn't doing except for there wasn't the internet around. I was like, when I was a kid, it was freaking DVDs and magazines, right? I was like, but I do want to have a conversation around it. And you're not in trouble. You're not punished. And you're not abnormal. So let's get that out of the way, okay? And you're not in trouble. I'm not yelling at you. I was like, but it is my job as your dad to, number one, understand, like, hey, what's going on? Like, tell me what's going on. And I'm not going to judge you. You're not going to be yelled at. You. You're not going to be punished. Just tell me what's going on. Like, how are you, what, what are you thinking that you want to go and search those things out? And he'll tell me, and it's, just, it's normal stuff. And then on top of it, I'll be like, well, Hey, as your dad, I'm here to tell you it's normal, but I'm also going to sit here and tell you all, all the things that you don't know. So like, for instance, um, erectile dysfunction is the highest it's ever been for men in the, from 18 to the age of 28. And it's because of, full access to porn you get desensitized he's like what does that mean i was like well let me tell you about it so i did it's like you watch that stuff on a screen the real thing happens and you're like why isn't stuff working for me it's because you get used to one thing right you don't get used to the real thing i was like so that will mess with you i was like let me tell you man i'm telling you this is your dad there's nothing worse and more humiliating than stuff not working when you wanted to work and that girl just like uh are we going to or not and then that just makes it worse i was like so i'm telling you this stuff because that is a humiliating feeling I was like, and plus, I was like, let me ask you this: if let's fast forward 15 years from now, 18 years from now, 20 years from now, it doesn't matter, whatever, you have a daughter. Would you want you googling your daughter at your age? And he's like, oh. I was like, again, not in trouble, but think about that—it's somebody's daughter, right? He's like, oh man, that's true. And then we're a spiritual family too, so I'll bring the you know the 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 faith aspect into it, but in a non-judgment like conversational way like i'm dude the way i was raised is like how dare you shame on you that's a sin you're going to hell which is does no good i mean it does it scares the shit out of you but at the same time you're like well now i don't want to come and talk to you about anything because now i feel horrible about myself so we walked away from that conversation conversation the end of the conversation was, looked like this i was like hey man so moving forward you know all this information how are you going to operate you know judging by what we've talked about it's like well i'm, I'm not gonna go I'm not going to go search that stuff out. Okay, great. And by the way, when you have more questions, man, like let's talk. And that was years ago. We still talk about it. I had to have a conversation with him the other day because I saw quite an interesting text message come through on my Bark app. And I just brought it up to him and he was just like, oh, man. I'm like, you're not in trouble. I was like, but I'm here to answer questions, man. I'm, I'm here to talk to you, okay? And I was like, I didn't have this growing up and I'm I'm here as your guide, okay? So keep that in mind. And he talked to me about several questions that he had about this thing that popped up. So, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Thanks, Ren. Thanks for going there. That's uh, super important as I'm, you know, my kid's almost nine, my oldest, and we're getting there. just about there okay one of the questions that i had on here because i've seen this on instagram especially like you have some just incredible connection practices with your family with your wife and your kids and i'm talking about things like uh, a praise board that i saw and letters that you write your kids and as part of this whole like I, i guess the sort of the theme of this talk has become psychological safety somehow but it's so so important uh like what else do you do other than talk to them and ask some questions and be there for them, like the safe, seen, soothe, heard, uh, all these sort of like uh, secure attachment needs. Can you give us some examples of these connections? Because man, I just like, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do that, and so I'm, yeah. I'm starting these things that I see you doing. Uh, what else have you got for us?
1: Yeah, so if you're a father of multiple kids, uh, so I'll give you three different things that I love to use and they're very simple. Uh, if you're a father of multiple kids, what I'll tell you one-on-one time is gold to those kids because they don't have to share you with anybody. So I make it a point every single year to, to take my kids on a one-on-one trip every year. And usually it's pretty simple stuff. Like, oh, let's go camping. Let's, you know, we'll do this. We'll do that. But it's like, I try to get them out. Like, so this weekend as we speak, I'm taking my two older ones to an Ohio State game. Um, and it's just, we call them the bigs and the littles in my house. So the bigs, just the teenagers, we're, we're going to go do that. Now that's not one-on-one, but that's like something super special because my 13-year-old loves Ohio State, plays football, always is YouTubing their football stuff. Well, And my 15-year-old plays in the high school band, and he is always doing the inter- the, the, the halftime shows and all that. And he's always Googling, like, Ohio State band because they're awesome. So I'm taking them to the Ohio State game this weekend. Um so one-on-one trip, get, getting out of your environment, I'm a big fan of that. Whether it's camping, whether it's fishing, whether it's just getting out and bonding in some way, shape, or form. And I love adventure. It's one of my core values, like we were talking about. So going and making decisions and 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 living through your core values, right? So that's one. Number two, you mentioned the praise chart. So what we do, So one, one I have, I have a few different coaching certifications. One of them is called appreciative inquiry. I won't get into that. But basically, it's like, what is the best of what was, what is, and what could be? One of the exercises that we teach our guys is like, hey, um, acknowledgement and appreciation. Look at your kids through an appreciative eye, and they will look at life through an appreciative eye. A lot of people, if you talk to people, they will tell you everything in the world that is wrong with life, their life, and the world, right? And that's a really miserable way to live. But what if you looked at the world through an appreciative eye, through an eye of gratitude? So what we do in our family every now and again is we take these giant poster boards, right? And then we make six boxes with everybody's name. So like my wife has a box, I have a box, and then my kids each have a box. And then we take, we take these post-its. Like literally, this is like you, you can do this for like 10 bucks, and it's super amazing and connected. What we do is we will pose a question of like, hey, uh, think, of, think of the last two weeks in our family, and think of each individual. What is something that you want to acknowledge and appreciate about each individual? And then you write it on a post-it note and then you you take it and you slap it up underneath their name. And you do it for everybody. So everybody does it for each other and then we you know vice versa. Then what we do is we get up in front of everybody and we basically present what it is that we wrote. And it takes like five minutes per person, basically like one minute per person of acknowledgement and appreciation. It could be like, hey – You know, I I told my wife, I was like, man, I really had like a, this, this was the last time we did. I was like, you know, three days ago you made me lunch. I didn't ask for it. I was having a horrible day. I had back-to-back coaching calls. I was starving and you came walking in my office with a big smile on your face and you gave me, you made me lunch. That was amazing to me because I literally saw no wiggle room in my schedule and it made me feel so loved and amazing that you just took time out of your day to make me lunch. So thank you for that. It's really cool when siblings acknowledge and appreciate each other because what it does is it sort of takes away any civil ri- sibling rivalry and it's something that really, it, it's very sticky. It's very tacky. Like you can remember when your brother got up in front of the entire family and told you what he appreciated about you. That bonds a family big time, right? Uh, so that's, that's another one is we, we like to do uh, praise charts. The other one, yeah, you mentioned, uh, and this is, again, learning, right? I I just interviewed uh, Alan Carter. I'm sorry, not Alan Carter. Gosh, I can't remember. I think it was Alan Carter. Uh, Letters from a Father, which was uh, an incredible podcast. He wrote a book called Letters from a Father. And he reached out to me. He's like, hey, I'd love to come on your show and talk about my book. And I researched it, and it was a really generic kind of looking book. It's self-published and all that. I was like, what is this? And so he came on the show, and basically what he did was is Ever since his kids turned 13, he would write them a letter per month. And then he turned that into a book, self-published book. And he's like, I didn't care if anybody bought it. I just gave it. Just gave him the book. And I took that idea and freaking ran with it. Because when you are raising multiple children, you have three, I have four, life moves really fast. There are times when I sit down and I was talking to my wife about this. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, Jessica, I was like, I can't remember what it was like when Ethan, my oldest was four and Mason was two. I can't remember what, I can't remember like what happened. Like I can remember some things, but I, I can't grasp it all. One of the, one of the benefits of the letters. So I do this per month and you talk about life lessons. So like I've, I've done this now for a while and like I'll always intertwine something that I want to acknowledge and appreciate that I saw them do or things that they did or things that they said or how I saw them operate or big big milestones or chapters that they've closed and intertwine them into life lessons. And it makes me really, really reflect on that month and what I saw. And I'll always add in one, two, or three, or four pictures of that month. The other cool thing about that is, is it makes me stop and it makes me pay freaking attention to their life. Because what I do is, I mean, like, dude, my phone is in my pocket all the time. If I see um, my my son Ethan, who had uh, homecoming last month, you know, I saw him walk up to the door, and he did this, didn't? You know, I saw him walk up to the door, and he shook the father's hand, and he shook the mother's hand, and he put the corsage on her wrist, and then he opened the car door for her, like all these things that I did not tell him to do, and I put, I was like, dude, like I saw you do this, I saw you do this, I saw, I was like, man, the stuff like that goes so far in life. And then I put a photo of him the girl that he took to homecoming. I was like, man, this is a huge milestone. You're going to look back on this. You're always going to remember your first homecoming, right? So things like that that you really want to point out. And plus as his father, it makes me remember these things. Like I have to like diligently reflect every month on the things that I saw and the things that I loved, you're right. And then intertwining those into life lessons.
0: Do you give those letters to them each month or do you collect them?
1: I not only give them to them, But I, at a dinner, the, usually the first week of the month, I'll read it to them and everybody. So in front of them. And then I've also included my wife in on this. So like things that I want to acknowledge and appreciate about her that I saw over the month or something like that. Like I captured the last month, I captured this amazing photo. It was my son's last football game and she was hugging him and it was like this amazing hug and You know, just putting stuff like that in there to make her even remember like she she loves that stuff.
0: Yeah, that is amazing. And uh, I'm going to start doing that. Thank you. (laughs) So many things on here. I'm just going to going to add to the last thing I want to talk to you about. And this is the last for this conversation, because, man, I got a million questions for you, but. I want to talk about community as part of supercharging life and fatherhood. And yeah. you know, this can be a, a nice little slow pitch for you to knock it out of the park with the dad edge Alliance, uh shout out if you want, but like, I want to talk about why you started the community and like what that's done for you and what you've seen community do as part of these other fathers lives. Cause man, it has changed my life to be part of men's groups, men's communities. And I think like every single male guest I've had on, it's like, Oh, well it gets way easier if you do it with other men. So what is your take on community? And like, why do you dedicate your, your life to it by the looks of it.
1: I do. So data's Alliance is our mastermind community. And that was really, that was not ever the intent of this mission at all. In fact, I didn't even know where it was going. I'll start off with this. If you don't believe me, or if you don't believe the fact that men are tribal beings and that we thrive in community, I think every man can say that they've seen the movie Shawshank Redemption, right? Have you? Okay. What was the worst thing that could happen to one of those inmates? Besides obviously being raped. But what was the worst thing that could happen?
0: Solitary confinement.
1: Solitary confinement. You know, I'll never forget Andy Dufresne. Like, hey, you're in here for 30 days. Oh, he doesn't get it. Here's another 30 days. That's traumatic to people. Isolation is the enemy of excellence. Isolation is the enemy of excellence. Unfortunately, most men are walking the planet um, isolated. And not physically, but mentally and emotionally isolated. Right? Good, fine, busy. Those are three favorite answers to every single question, right? Good, fine, busy. And most men, if not almost nearly every man, is not operating to his potential. One of the key missing ingredients is having a circle of mentors in his life, of community of like-minded, hungry individuals who want to go out and kick ass, right? Who want to live legendaries. I always say, live legendary. We don't live legendary by ourselves. No one got to any type of greatness whatsoever in their life or fulfillment by themselves. Everyone talks about like, well, I'm the lone wolf. I'm strong. There's nothing strong about a lone wolf. In fact, I think if we actually shared what the lone wolf is, it would completely change the definition of lone wolf for men. The lone wolf has, has two situations in their lives as a lone wolf. And I'm talking about the actual wolves. The wolf leaves the pack because it's going to go die. It knows it's going to die. It's injured or whatever. It doesn't want to hold the pack up. So it's going to go off by itself and go die or the wolf has lost the pack and it dies either way the lone wolf is not strong it's not sustainable and it's not anything that we want to be that much i can tell you the wolf is strong because of the pack and the pack is strong because of the wolf so when i was first starting this mission back in 2015 when i was starting my podcast i really wanted some direction on what to do and how to do it and i was i was I was, I interviewed a gentleman on the podcast named Aaron Walker, who runs ISI, which is iron sharpens iron. I love Aaron Walker. And Aaron told me, he's like, Hey man, if you really want direction on what you're doing with this whole movement, you need to come join a mastermind. And I was like, what, what is a mastermind? I had no idea what it even was. He's like a mastermind is a group of group of like-minded individuals that meet every single week that have accountability that elevate each other. And we challenge each other's thinking. I was like, okay, sounds interesting. Tell me more. And he did. I was like, well, how much does it cost? <laughs> all right alliance is not this expensive, but he said it's 600 bucks to do life with us and I was like uh I don't even have six hundred dollars of revenue with this business that i want I, I don't even have that he he's he mentioned something that really really hit home for me because I think a lot of us are focused on cost right but there's a cost to everything there's a cost to everything there's a cost to taking action and growth and there's a cost to inaction it just depends on which one you want to pay And I always tell guys this. And the same question was posed to me. He's like, listen, is your marriage where it needs to be? And I was like, oh, it could be better. He's like, well, what about being a father? Are you a patient father? Are you leading these young men like you should be? And I was like, it's okay. It could be better. He's like, is okay, okay for you? And I was like, no. He's like, yeah, I get the feeling it's not. He goes, well, do you know what to do and how to do it? And I was like, I'm figuring it out. He's like, well, how does that feel? I was like, not so good. He's like, what about with your mission and your business? Do you know where it's going? I was like, no, I have not a clue. He goes, listen, it's going to cost you $600 a month and an hour of your time per week to do life with us. But what I can tell you is you're going to get real life strategy and skills on how to build the marriage you want, how to lead these young men into manhood and how to build an incredible business. And if you don't want to do life with us, well, there's a cost to that too. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He said, I want you to imagine your life 12 months from today and you've done nothing, nothing. You haven't learned anything new and you just keep doing the same thing you're doing. What's life going to look like? And I was like, oh, God, um, you know, let me think about that. He's like, well, that's your choice. He goes, call me back in 24 hours and just let me know where you land. I think I I think I lasted seven minutes. And I called him back. I was like, I'm in. So I joined that mastermind and I was the only podcaster and the only speaker in, the, in my group. But I was amazed at the things that I was learning. And the things that I was challenged to do in my life by these other men in my group, I was like, dude, this is freaking unreal. And then I spent about nine months there and my, my business didn't really go anywhere. My life was great, but my business wasn't. I was like, Hey, I don't think this is the mastermind for me. Like I just need to find something else. And I, and I had a conversation with Aaron and he goes, um, what are you going to go do? And I was like, I have no clue. And he goes, Larry, I was really hoping that the light bulb would go off months ago, but it hasn't. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, the world needs for fathers exactly exactly what we do here for businessmen. The world needs that for fathers. Why don't you go, why don't you go build this for, for dads? And I'm like, I never thought of that. He goes, you're welcome. And that was it. And I still talk to Aaron to this day, but that was the best advice he ever gave me. And so I did. And in 2016, we started and it has been the most amazing six years ever. We have 700 guys who do life with us on the daily. We have 34 mastermind sessions per week. We help men with their marriages, with their parenting, with their mindset, with their health, fitness, physical, mental, emotional health, being a better leader. We help them with finances, everything. And it's all because of community. So, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, man. And that is, um, that's what this is all about. Just, just building community with other men and yeah. there's nothing like being seen and heard and supported and challenged by other guys, man. Like there's, it's, it's changed my life. I'm glad that you've set that up. I'm so grateful that you're in this space and, uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this with me. Um, yeah, where else can people find you? I think you've mentioned a couple of places, but let's just give yeah. the wrap up here where to find Larry and at the dad edge
1: well everything is at the dad edge so even the website the dadedge.com it's the dad uh on instagram it's the dad edge. uh we have a page on facebook the dad edge. um we have a free facebook group that's not a part of the mastermind we have thousands of men in that it's the dad edge real dads with purpose you can see the themes um but you can connect with me personally if you want um i respond to every single email if you send me an email off the website i do reply to those uh, the other thing, too, if you send me a message on Instagram or Facebook, I do reply to those. It's really me. I don't have a bot or an assistant that answers all that stuff. I do all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, if you want to connect with me, you can shoot me a friend request on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. Shoot me a DM like you did. That's how we connected. So I'm, I'm pretty darn accessible.
0: Yeah. Okay, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. your time. And, uh, guys, make sure to check out Larry Hagner and The Dad Edge. <laughs> That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world. To find out more about everything that we talked about in the episode today, including show notes, resources, and links to subscribe, leave a review, work with us, go to dadwork pod. That's da slash pod. Type that into your browser, just like a normal URL dad.work/slash pod. You'll find everything there you need to become a better